Jurassic Park for a minute. We'll be discussing the second Jurassic Park sequel one minute at a time. I'm Brad. And Dave. And today we're back to finish out the week with minute 35 of Jurassic Park for a Dave, ready to get into it? Sure. Alright. As we're in minute 34 of Jurassic Park 3, Amanda had run off into the jungle screaming after being entangled in the dead corpse of her ex-boyfriend. And Paul had gone running after her, trying to bring her back. As we start on minute 35, Paul catches up to her and embraces her. Even though in the background we can see this isn't the best location to be in. At the 15 second mark, after Paul says, I'm sorry about Ben, Amanda breaks down and says, it's not Ben, Paul, it's Eric. He's out there, all by himself. The two pull each other closer together, and Paul assures her that don't worry, we'll find him. At the 35 second mark, Amanda realises that there's something else in the clearing with them, and she can see it behind Paul. At the 43 second mark, we cut back to the clearing, where Billy and Udesky are rolling up the parachute. And from a distance, we hear Paul call out to Grant. Dr. Grant, you should come and look at this. With that, Grant walks off screen. Udesky looks at Billy and gestures, I'm going with Grant, and leaves Billy to pack up the parachute. And as the minute ends, Grant arrives where Paul and Amanda are standing. Paul gestures off to something on the ground, and Grant starts to crouch down, looking at something that hasn't been revealed to us yet. As we continue into 35, we've got Paul running to catch up to Amanda. And again, we've sort of got this nice, lush, uh, almost nublar foliage here. Mm. Yes, it's not really sunny. It seems to be overcast, but um, it's still sort of green, lush, and vibrant here. Yeah, it is. It's like almost like an idyllic green. It's beautiful. And as you, yeah. see, as you see Paul running after Amanda, you can kind of spot through the trees and... It is overcast, and it's almost like a stormy overcast, and kind of makes me wish that we got to see that more. Well, we get a little bit more of that here, because at the four-second mark, we cut to um, almost darkness, as um, it looks like a moonlight coming through the mm-hmm. foliage as Paul does catch up to her. Um, so that, I mean, and you can see that... That part is funny, because, I mean, it clearly goes... It switches from... Um, it clearly, clearly switches for, between a on location on a, on a set. You can tell just by the lighting that they're that they're doing. Do you reckon this when he finally catches up to it, it's on a set? It is on a set because it's that same little stream that they got running through every single one of the sets. Behind is behind the egg, the nest. Oh, okay, I was, was going to ask, yeah, because as he does catch up to it and they embrace, you can see sort of that um, fuzzy blur of the stream. It looks like a lot larger stream than what we see when Grant gets over there, but even when they um, when Paul catches up to it, it looks like they're clearly going up a small hill from where that stream was. Yeah, the I mean the trees behind them are made to kind of look like banyan grove trees, but it's it's very clearly supposed to be a set. I mean you can just I mean you can not really tell, but you can tell, you know. Oh, I was going to say, this is where we go from Nublar back to Sauna and just that real dark, deep dark, can't see much beyond the trees where, of course, because it's a set. Because <laughs> we do get that sort of pan as he catches up and we get to see this clearing here in the darkened forest. And as you said, those sort of big big banyan trees type stumps here and some sun sort of shining or lighting shining on some of, the, uh, some of it further along. And it might be... Might be a sign of. I wonder if the two scenes were filmed differently because 
we were going to get to the uh, lab in two minutes' time, and it was going to be where they stayed overnight, so maybe they're sort of trying to show mm-hmm. here where this scene, Paul and Amanda, it's more of a approaching night where the sun's getting lower, it, the light's getting more of that goldy colour and not so much a clear... It could be, because remember I mentioned uh, last week how the, um, the lighting over, over the tree, you could see the kind of orangish glow uh, coming up mm. from behind the fog that was around the yeah. tree. But it's funny, because I mean, like, outside, the, outside this little alcove here that the raptor nest is in, you see, like, a huge variety of foliage. You got, I mean, just looking looking at it, you got young little saplings. You got the uh, undergrowth that's lying all over the place. You got elephant grass, these little weeds, things. You even have, like, stalks of bamboo shooting up around. Mm. I mean, you can see, the, you can see bamboo. But then you get into here, and it's a rock, a nest, and these fake trees. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. well, you can, as they walk into the clearing, you can see sort of the whiteness behind us, some ferns of an egg, cluster of eggs there, but um, it's more so when we get them to embracing and you can see the eggs behind them. And mm-hmm. that big black round rock in the middle of the clearing, I wonder if that's sort of a... It might be thinking too much to think it's a bit of a callback to the novel where they were in the, the creek bed with all the big black boulders. Could have been. Um, I mean, I won't deny well, this it. Is... I've always wanted to see that. I mean, we kind of get it a little bit within the Lost World with those carcasses all over the raptor area. But I really, really would like to see that whole set piece in a Jurassic Park movie. Yeah, great. With, with the boulders and the uh, rocks and the trees kind of sprouting up between those. And then you get to the end, and there's this little alcove, full, kind of surrounded with uh, various deep moments or various animals of decay. Mm-hmm. I I thought that was a great part from the novel, and it was always disappointing me, disappointing me that we never got to see that. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll definitely be bringing up a little bit more about that scene in that chapter <laughs> in the next two in the next minute when we get to the egg, egg clutches themselves. Mm-hmm. Just what what that might mean, but. Um... Yeah, and this is, isn't really a boulder. It's more of just a black rock outcrop coming out of the ground, which is probably just styrofoam or mm-hmm. something painted up to make it look like a rock. But but yeah, the two of them hug, and Paul's, Paul's saying sorry about Ben, and over his shoulder again, you can see that fast-moving stream through the foliage, um, which I thought maybe they'd just cross the stream, but they don't look wet. But um, Amanda tries to push away from Paul, saying it's not Paul, it's not Ben Paul, it's Eric. Uh, he's alone out there by himself, and they embrace again. And Paul tells her it's okay, we'll find him. Um, and then it's Amanda. Then you can sort of see she her gaze falls on something behind them, and it almost sounds like a compy that one of them compy chirps here, mm-hmm. which always always confused me. Thought, oh no, the compies are there, and that's what she's looking at. But mm-hmm. I don't think the compies would be game enough to go anywhere near the raptor's nest. <laughs> no, I mean they would be snacks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's I suppose we can touch really briefly. It's it's a shame that the nest site's this clean or this um like there's no carcasses, there's nothing mm. apart from these eggs. Well, like I said, the it, was, fact... it was something I it was a set piece I always wished transferred from the novels to the film better than what we got in the Lost World. Yeah. Like you said, I mean it's clean. I mean I suppose you'd want your nest to be clean, but the raptors 
as we originally knew them anyway, were not like that. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And I suppose... <laughs> We keep, I'm going to keep on going. We'll save it for next minute because all we get is a lot of flashing between <laughs> different egg clusters <laughs> and not much apart from Grant's uh, look of horror mm-hmm. next minute. But yeah, yeah. There's there's not there's not the chaos that the sauna raptors have in the novel. No, they're not at just, all. Yeah, yeah. But we will we will talk more about that next minute. Um, we cut back to your desky, Billy and Grant folding up the parachute. I've I should have looked at a couple of YouTube videos on how you actually fold a parachute up, but I don't think you just keep on rolling it up like this. You'd think it'd have to sort of come out of the, come out of the bag with um, the air picking up. I don't know how how it'd deploy if it's rolled up like this, but I have no idea how to roll up a parachute. <laughs> so I'm just gonna say, I don't know, maybe it's Ray. <laughs> yeah, well Billy's doing it, so um, he'd know how to do it, but. Uh, off from somewhere in the jungle, we can hear Paul yelling out, Dr. Grant, you should come look at this. <laughs> so he's still, even though they're, they're in amongst the eggs, yelling out seems to be the most prudent thing to do to get Grant's attention. Mm-hmm. But uh, Grant does get to his feet and walks off in their direction, and Yudesky sort of follows. It's like he doesn't want to be left with Billy. He wants to stay off Grant at all times, so he sort of just, <laughs> stay here, Billy, I'm going with Grant, and runs off after him. He's like a, he's like a kid who uh, is scared out of his mind. Yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, Grant arrives by the Kirby side, and you sort of you can hear that gurgling of the water now somewhere off behind him. And Paul points to something on the ground in front of them, and as the minute ends, Grant sort of moves slowly and crouches down in front of the camera, looking um, extremely worried. <laughs> I'll say as we get that sort of ominous score start to kick in, almost similar to the uh, Raptors in the kitchen. Yeah, it um, does. It almost also kind of reminds me a bit of the um, sound that that we hear, um, that kind of vroom. the same music that they make uh, before the T-Rex comes, uh, th- that horn that we mm-hmm. get before the T-Rex comes in the first movie and that we hear in as the movie starts the pounding and then we get that I'm not really sure what kind of instrument. I imagine it's a horn making it, though. Yeah, I, as, much, as much as I listen to soundtracks, I don't... There's a lot of lot of sounds I hear that I have no idea what's making it. <laughs> Whether it might be a bit of the foley, foley work as well, where mm-hmm. they're rubbing something together or something. Could be. Yeah, that's a possibility. But yeah, we don't get an actual up-close look at the eggs here. That's all next minute. I do kind of like how... Just going backwards for a minute, though, but that shot that we get of Billy wrapping up the... That final shot we get of Billy alone wrapping up that parachute, and we can see the rest of the clearing that they're in. And I yeah. I do like how it's very reminiscent of novel Sorna, in a way. It kind of has that, like, kind of... They must have stuffed a... Um, uh, one of those fog machines somewhere behind one of the trees... Because you can kind of see fog wafting through the crepuscular rays that are shining down onto the scene, and it looks really spooky. And I, I gotta like that, you know. Yeah, well, that's during winter here. You do get that fog start to come in by late afternoon as it cools down. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, it's sort of, it's looking more towards getting closer and closer to nightfall, where in the in the time of the film, well, we're still around lunchtime, I'd imagine, here. <laughs> so we're nowhere near 
nowhere near the, the temperature cooling off is quick enough to create the fog, but especially when we get to the raptor nests in a minute too, the smoke machine's going full-time there as well oh, yeah. in the background. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, when Billy does arrive on the scene at the raptor nest, it's raining, so maybe that's why it cuts, why it's sort of, as Amanda's running through the fo- uh, through the ferns and at the start of a minute, it's sort of that more of a brighter green, but the storm clouds have definitely come in. Uh, you can, well, you can see that in their clothes and in Amanda's hair. I'm not sure if it's the rain or just the humidity, but you can kind of see there's, like, dark spots on um, Paul's shirt that looked like it was being dripped on. And then you can see it in Amanda's hair, how stringy and um, stuck to her face it is. Yeah, and whether, whether they um, just turn the the rain machine on for a couple for a minute or so just to give everything that sheen even all the foliage around them um as they're sitting there embracing as paul catches up you can see that sort of the ground looks wet mm-hmm. um it looks like it's just rain there and yeah especially yeah next minute when grant's sort of looking at the eggs the eggs all sort of look wet the nests look wet and when billy bear walks around the tree packing the last bit of the parachute into the bag it it's it, you can physically see the rain falling in big drops mm-hmm. sort of between the canopy of the tree and there's mud on the ground so mm-hmm. it just seemed like a bit of a shift a bit of a jump sort of when she's running in what seems like just a bit of an overcast mm-hmm. day to the set but it could be one of those days where the rain moves in and out i mean i've had days here where it's raining in the backyard and sunny in the front yard <laughs> <laughs> all right briefly going into the script and novel comparisons um while paul and amanda embrace amanda is um has a bit of an added line here. Uh, with Ben around, there'd be someone to keep Eric safe, and that's sort of the other reason she's upset now, realising that Ben's not around with him. So That's actually something I never... When I first watched the movie, I got really confused about, because we see the skeleton come down, and then uh, Amanda runs, and Paul's calming her down, and she says... And, and he says, he's sorry about Ben... But then I, I never I never got connected the two when she says it's not Ben Paul, it's Eric. He's out there all alone. I thought the skeleton was Eric and I thought the kid was Ben. But then, I mean to be, fair, <laughs> to be fair, I thought the uh and I'm wondering, kept wondering why are they calling Ben Eric? <laughs> to be fair, I was like eight years old, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, well it's sort of, it might even um it might be something from a earlier script or where we had more of a backstory with Ben. Mm-hmm. Like, again, like, we had the whole, oh, he's with Ben Hildebrandt and all that when we first realised what they're actually doing on the island and he, she's saying, I thought Ben would keep him safe on the island, so... Whether, whether Ben was more outdoorsy than what Paul was, I'm guessing that's probably what the case was. Maybe that's why they were in Costa Rica because Ben had been there before or something. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. I kind of always got the idea that Paul thought um, Ben was a bad influence on um, on Eric, and that's kind of why he disapproved of him. Hmm. But um, Udesky sort of runs off after Paul and Amanda too, and checking on his clients. Udesky scops at the edge of the thicket, and the hairs on the back of his neck begin to rise as he sort of sees where he's standing, and that's Udesky then that calls out to Dr. Grant and not Paul. Um, and then Billy comes over, putting the remaining section of the shoot into his backpack. Well, the weird um, thing is, briefly. 
is that in the trailer shot, it's actually we actually get the end on camera shot of um, Billy. Or not Billy. Um, Paul yelling for Grant. We don't just hear him. We actually see him put his. He cups his uh, hands to his face and says uh, the line. Oh really? Yeah. To, I'm gonna rewatch it in a minute. <laughs> so that's yeah, something else that was cut, else filmed, and eventually must have got cut out. But they've decided to put it in the trailer. Hmm. I mean, trailers are always full of alternate and uh, B-roll takes. I mean, famously. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, that, it's getting worse now. <laughs> oh, it's getting so worse. I mean, there's so many shots that we got from these trailers, from these recent movies that just don't even exist in the mo- in the course of the movie. I remember World One, though, one of the big questions that came out is how did because they were shot like a good chunk of the ending of the movie because Gareth Edwards brings the movie to Disney and he made a war film and Disney's like. <laughs> And Disney's like, we can't show this to kids. <laughs> Gareth Edwards says, you wanted a war film. And Disney's like, we didn't want Saving Private Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> so they had to go back and reshoot it to make it less graphic. And one of the things that they shot and put in the trailer was a shot of Jin Erso, the main character, uh, standing up inside one of the standing up inside one of the hallways. And they're like and people always wondered, well, how does this fit in the movie? Turns out it didn't fit in the movie at all. It's just something she did after the cut, after the shot was done. And they, mm. and they stuck it in the, um, trailer because they thought it looked good. Yeah. Yeah. That's like a lot of the beach battle in it as well. And she's running down the beach at one point with the, um, hard drive on her waist. Well, that was actually, <laughs> on a belt and... I mean, that was actually part of the original cut of the movie. A lot of, a lot of what appeared in the trailers, were originally part of the movie. Mm. Yeah, I think one big one too is seeing the Hulk in Wakanda going up against Thanos, where yeah. he never comes back after the first <laughs> the first scene, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, um, in the novel, briefly, we don't get as much of this minute in there. Grant and Billy finish with the parachute and catch up to Amanda, um, Paul and Yudeski to find them surrounded by the raptor nests. So there's not a lot in the novel here. It sort of speeds ahead pretty quickly. But Dave, that's 35. Mm-hmm. Anything else you, you want to discuss before we get heavy for the day? No, I think we're good. All right. If you want to get a hold of us, you can email us at lostworldminute.com. The main website is jurassicminutes.wordpress.com and you can find the Lost World Minutes and Jurassic Minutes over on Facebook with the uh, pages there. David, where are we on Twitter and Instagram? Uh, Twitter, we are at Jurassic Minute. Uh, Instagram is the Jurassic Minute podcast. Some of the worst things imaginable have been done with the best intentions. This is how you make dinosaurs? This is how you play God. If we split up, I'm going with you guys. Dinosaurs lived 65 million years ago. What is left of them is fossilized in the rocks. And it is in the rock that real scientists make real discoveries. Now, what John Hammond and InGen did at Jurassic Park is create genetically engineered theme park monsters, nothing more and nothing less. Uh, Are you saying that you wouldn't want to get onto Isla Sorna and study them if you had the chance? 
no force on earth or heaven could get me on that island. You just... Charlie, take the phone to mommy now. It's the, it's the dinosaur there. Okay.